What's going on, everyone? I'm Paul LaMonica from the Low to High Podcast. And before I say anything else, I want to wish everyone a happy and healthy new year. I know 2020 was very crazy, and I hope everyone's family and friends are safe going into 2021. Now to kick off this week's episode, huge news in the lacrosse world a few weeks ago as the PLL and MLL finally merged, officially unifying outdoor lacrosse for the first time since 2018. My good friend Ty Connington came over the show with me and we discussed the pros and cons of this merger as well as how is this going to reshape the league. We also made a couple of predictions for the coming season, you know, MVP, Rookie of the Year, as well as Most Improved Player. Uh, make sure to go follow Ty on Twitter at tcunnington underscore lax and go check out his podcast. I'll put the link in the description as well. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure to follow the Low to High podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I'll also put the handles in the description as well. Uh, anyways, I hope you guys enjoy the show and without further ado, let's get right into it. A new era of pro lacrosse has begun with the PLL and the MLL finally merging earlier this week, finally ending the split between the outdoor pro lacrosse leagues. Ty Cunnington is joining me today to discuss this merger. Ty, what's going on, man? What's up, Paul? Not much. Back again to uh, just discuss some some pretty big news in the lacrosse world, um, as you mentioned. Uh, The merger finally have one unified outdoor league, so we've got plenty to talk about uh, despite such a... uh, such a simple statement. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I think this messes up our uh, earlier episode with the uh, PLL mock draft that we did way back in yeah. <laughs> way way back in August. You know, yeah, you're right. we got a wow. new. And you know, say also to mention is that there's only one team that is going to be joining the PLL, which is the uh, formerly Boston Cannons, are now going to be the Cannons LC under the new brand. So this brings in a whole other discussion of you know expand another expansion team ways this is going to affect uh, the regular season gameplay, who's going to be coming into the league, and a whole lot more. So, Ty, when did you actually find out about this? Uh, so, I actually – it was probably Wednesday morning when I was still – I think it was like – well, I, I'm a, it, it is Wednesday morning, if I'm remembering correctly, mm-hmm. uh, of that week. And I was with my girlfriend. We were just hanging out, uh, finishing up the end of our quarantine, and – I was just on Twitter and it just popped up. I saw somebody retweet the Sportico article and I was just like, uh, whoa. Uh, I immediately texted my friend and he was like, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? So it was like, it was pretty much just as you'd imagine looking at social media that day. It was just everyone finding out one way or another. I texted my brother. He was like, whoa, like, holy crap. And, um, yeah, I pretty much just found out through Twitter. That's why I love it because <laughs> you're you're just always seeing things when you refresh just by chance. And it was crazy. I my initial thought was just, I guess it happened. You know, I guess after the tournaments went down uh, in the in August and July, or yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that you know maybe the uh, the MLL just decided to uh, give in a little bit. But yeah, as far as initial reaction, uh, I was definitely just as surprised as everyone else. Uh, that it just came out of nowhere, no teasing or anything, just plopped in there. Yeah, especially because it was like a like a one paragraph thing. That the, like the uh, PLL statement is just like PLL and MLL are just going to finally merger. Uh, we're bringing in one team only, Cannons LC, and that's it. And then they're just like, we'll let you know in the following month. So it's bringing up a lot of speculation, a lot of you know, it's kind of going to our imagination with uh like what the next couple of months might bring about how they're going to do this expansion, like what does this entail about the other MLL teams? Cause there's five other yeah, MLL five. teams that um, 
that don't have any branding right now. There's a whole lot of players in a player pool over probably over 120. You know, there's a lot of pros and there's a lot of cons. So let's start off with the pros. So Ty, you want to start it off? What do you think of some pros? Well, the pros are obviously it's a step in the right direction towards a more professional looking sport. I mean, it's weird because like in every other game, uh, many, many years ago, there was the NBA, the ABA, there was the NFL and the AFL. And eventually those leagues took, took the chance and they, they combined and made it one bigger, more, uh, you know, sort of organized and more, you know, solidified rules, contracts, uh, guidelines, all that stuff. They, they, they made that leap and it, and it worked. Obviously nowadays we have all of those leagues and they're massive, massive, massive. So in, in terms of, you know, a guy who say plays in the PLL um, in 2019, you know, when someone's asking him about what, what do you do? You know, he's like, well, for one thing, I have my one job I work. And then on the side, I'm also a pro lacrosse player. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Who'd you play for? Well, I played for, you know, the Denver outlaws last year, but now I'm in this new outdoor league, the PLL. And, you know, in the winter I play, uh, you know, for the San Diego seals, it just, it just makes it sound like, geez, what, like, what is lacrosse? Is this like my, like my son's travel tournament? Like they just, is they going all over the place to play in different teams? So it definitely changes just sort of the angle that now pro lacrosse really has this, this platform as one league under the PLL. Um, there's already, you know, now there's eight teams, presumably down the road, there'll be more, but now you kind of have all the talent going to one place. There's no more debates. Best players are going to be there. And, and it's gonna, it's just, it, it's a very big step uh, in terms of a pro pro sport league to go pretty much only forward at this point as, you know, as long as they don't screw anything else up. But mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest pro is just having everything in one spot. You'll now be able to align, you know, contracts up, merchandise, the fans. Now, all those, the viewers, if you think about it, of the MLL games, unless they were, you know, unless they were diehards and they only watched the MLL, you know, because I even watched the MLL tournament when it was going on. I'm like, dude, duh, it's lacrosse. But, you know, in any normal situation, there's kind of been this divide and, you know, the announcers or, you know, figureheads of the, you know, people like Kark and Quint and other guys, you know, they obviously know the MLL has been around. They played in it. Um, And now there's this new exciting league that's kind of been, you know, trying to draw everybody in towards it. So it's kind of getting rid of all that uncertainty, all that split, the divide, all the fans will now watch. The numbers are probably going to go up, you know, um, and people are going to, whether they like it or not, if they were really big fans of the MLL are now going to have to get used to it. But I think most fans, most people agree um, outside of the players, which we'll get to uh, think this is a fantastic idea. I am on that boat. And I think that's probably the biggest pro of it all. Uh, I think you hit every single cylinder when you said that. I mean, you know, also going into like now the level of play to play in the PLL is at a very close to what like almost all the other, maybe not as close, but very close to what the other professional uh, professional leagues are and how, how hard it is to make it to the pro levels. I know it was a little bit easier with the MLL still being around that there was 13 teams that you can potentially play pro for. And that's not including the NLL, the indoor game. But I think this just like tightened up how the out, how the outdoor game is being played, how the world is viewing lacrosse outside of the lacrosse world is just a huge step in the direction because, because now like after two years of like division and 
everything was kind of all over the place. There was people just like, you know, the higher ups of the PLL ignoring that the MLL didn't like, didn't even really exist. And same thing goes for the MLL that MLL players who probably some of them really wanted to play in the PLL, which I think was the better league during that time. Cause they had, you know, they had the TV deal. They had all these endorsements. They had all the players, like yeah. it just had so much more exposure and I think them like realizing that now they have their chance to play in the MLL, uh, play in the PLL is just a huge step in the right direction for the sport of lacrosse. Now, with that saying, with all these pros, there has to be some cons. And I mean, I'll start it off with that. So you go from seven teams in the PLL this past summer and six teams in the MLL. That's 13 pro lacrosse teams. Now you're subtracting you're subtracting five from that. So now you only you have only eight teams left and losing five. Yeah. Was that right? Eight. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm just not making sure my math. I'm not. Yeah. It's only eight teams left and, you know, PLL roster style roster size is about, you know, 20, 23. So, you know, do the math in your head. That's a little like, uh, I'm not good at math. Uh, probably like 140, yeah, 140 professional players now existing in the league instead of you know whatever 100 extra there 100 more than there actually were uh before this merger so you know there's going to be a lot of people that don't that won't be playing lacrosse in the uh in the coming years there's going to be a lot of coaches that won't be coaching lacrosse at the professional level professional level there's going to be a lot of trainers there's going to be a lot of owners going to be a lot of gms so you know as much as we want to look at the good side of this there are there are going to be some you know some withdrawals but I think, you know, looking back 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we're going we're gonna to hopefully have more than 13, uh, 13 lacrosse teams in the PLL. So maybe those jobs can come back. Maybe it's not for them, but it's maybe for the future players that are going to come. Uh, what about you, Kai? Do you think you could think of any cons that maybe come with this? Yeah, I was sort of talking about this on my drive home from school with one of my buddies and uh, I think one of the things other than the obvious that there's now players without jobs. I mean, I know I was reading the U.S. Lax magazine article. Uh, they were talking, uh, uh, um, forgetting his name, of course, right now. Uh, but uh, a guy on the Lizards who found out he didn't even see the email at 1030 that Sandy Brown sent out to everybody. And he gets, he just sees his team group chat blowing up and it's, it's guys saying like, all right, looks like I'm done. You know, I, I'm, I'm out of here. Like I'm, I'm hanging the cleats up, you know, there was plenty of guys who were like, yeah, if this is the case, I'm, I'm probably never going to play like, like lax again. And that's a really harsh reality for a lot, a lot of guys. The biggest thing you run into now is in this uh, entry draft and this expansion draft, um, for one, I, I think they're going to, obviously they said, and they say it in their release, you know, in the coming weeks or months, they're going to explain to us how it's going to pan out. But if it's anything like the water dogs, you're going to see another expansion draft where you're taking players from other teams and the leftovers go back, et cetera. But you're going to fill a team with, I think it's 16 or 18 guys is who they were allowed to pick. Mm-hmm. What 18, room yeah. does that leave for an entry draft? Even on the other PLL teams, who get their guys back, you know, what room does that really leave for even the Boston cannons roster who just won a championship? You know, they're the best of the MLL essentially. Those guys aren't even going to, it's, yeah, that was the biggest thing to me. So I was imagining that, you know, maybe they do a kind of expansion. They do some of an expansion draft, but as far as the entry goes, 
how many guys are even going to get in, let alone from the five other teams that were excluded in this merger. There's just, you know, you, you, you talk about guys that, okay, maybe expansion happens down the road where there's eight teams and maybe in, in two years, the PL takes off uh, and they can add like two more teams. Maybe even in that case, two years down the line, and you do another entry draft to fill in, you know, spots and all that, because an expansion is just going to keep, you know, watering down these teams. Um, even though this tournament was still fantastic. Uh, you're, who are you going to be pulling from? You know, a lot of these guys, as I was just saying before, have their own jobs. They have their normal jobs all year round. And so, especially guys in the MLL, some of the PLL guys have been able to be full-time and whatnot. Some of these guys, a lot of these guys have their jobs. And so what are they supposed to do two years from now, especially with guys getting older? And what are they going to do? Train the whole time waiting for a spot to open up? You know, that's not an issue you run into with any of these other leagues. There's always an opportunity to be playing. There's no real other option for a professional sort of league other than guys to play in the NL, which is really hard to do. So a thing that I was, that we were sort of talking about, and I think is a pretty, um, pretty big issue is guys that even can come in with expansion down the road if they're even in their 30s late 20s etc what are you going to do are you going to keep training you're going to eventually down the road tell your job if you have the same one again that you need this time off and these different restructuring of your hours and your salary even to go play in this league now so I think that's a really big issue for some of these guys that are like all right well this is great but I don't know if I can just hop back into this some guys have families you know, there, there's a lot of unforeseen issues with um, expansion over the over time going down the road. So on top of not many people being able to get in right now with how this entry draft, the college draft, I didn't even mention that. Between expanding, the college draft, and then entry, who's going to get in from the MLL? Forget the five teams that are completely just disbanded now. Even the guys on the Cannons, the best team, even the best players, say, the top 10 players from the MLL, they're going to have trouble getting in. I think what you're going to see as a result are like is what you were kind of touching on earlier is some of these older guys, some of these guys who are beyond their years that don't really need to be playing. They were kind of brought in because of their nameship. Um, those guys maybe head out. Those guys, maybe Paul says, okay, you know what? We're okay. We don't really need this. We've got other, you know, talent coming in. Um, Cause I even remember from the, uh, the end of the bench or the, or the post game, sorry, that Ocello and uh, Evan Malloy just started. They had Wes Berg, Eli Gobrecht, and um, I think one other guy on. Justin Glaze, I'm pretty sure. Or Eddie Glazer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least the one episode I was listening to, Ocello and Wes Berg were like completely – seriously like joking though that like all right i'm just like i guess i'm out of here like it was fun but you know westberg will just go back to playing the nll but ocello's kind of like all right it was fun you know i like i do what i do on twitter like but i you know i'm fully expecting that i'm not i'm not going to return again which was kind of tough but yeah. at the same time i think you're going to see a lot of those like fringe guys that maybe are like excluded through the expansion like just aren't even like kept unless the, you know, the cannons take them. So that's kind of even something I'm thinking of right now that maybe is the solution to that, but there's just so little space for an enormous amount of players. And if that was all over the place, I apologize, but there, no, those no, are no. kind of the really big issues that are unfortunate, but at some point it was going to have to happen. 
I can't imagine the MLL would have wanted to wait until there was more expansion and there were more, uh, more teams available to do this because they might've had to just fold. And that would have been a really bad look and a really depressing look uh, to then eventually be like the appeal. I was like, all right, we're snatching them up. You know, everyone come on over. You know, I think they wanted to, there was a mutual uh, sort of feeling that they wanted to take in the MLL while it was still going because there was like radio silence from their, social media and all of that for like months, uh, which kind of makes sense now. But I think that's sort of another angle that, you know, it would have sucked for them to be out. And then like years later, once there's more teams added, you know, or however long it takes. Yeah. All right. Now everyone else can like come in. So that was kind of, yeah, I think those are some pretty bad like issues to have, but they're almost sort of expected. Yeah. I think, you know, Going back to, I forget what it was. It was, yeah, it was like the player pool. So the player pool, like you're saying, is going to die out after a while because this player pool of these MLL guys, like I think they're going to get a reality check. If they're not getting picked in these, maybe if there's still a player pool next year, then, you know, I think I think they'll realize that it's over for them. So, you know, with you saying like that player pool is going to die, hopefully the college draft that comes in for the coming years is able to pick up some of that slack because, you know, there's still a whole lot of talent in the college game. So hopefully if that, you know, doesn't, if that is like, hopefully that's not being a factor of why, like there's not enough players in the PLL. I think the college draft will help bring like help bring in some young guys. Like it does in every other, every other um, professional, like the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, there's always new guys coming in. So I think there'll always be that still new wave of lacrosse players, but it's going to be players that aren't in their prime. It's going to be young guys, not going to be guys that have just came off like, you know, a 60 point, uh, 60 point season, like they did in the MLL. So I think I'm not so scared about that, but I'm just like worried that the PLL is, we got to realize PLL still in their second, they just finished up their second season one of them was a fanless tournament. So they probably lost a whole lot of money in there. They had to pick up that through sponsorships. The PLL is still a very young league and, you know, having eight, bringing in only one team, I think they want to do this as a safe route. I don't think, I think they would have loved to bring, bring in, thir- uh, bring in a total of 13 teams. It would have been great. There would have been so much lacrosse. I think they're just, I think they're just playing it conservatively in being, you know, let's just, let's just like put it like, let's just take out, like, let's not lose, let's not lose too much money by having all these teams come in, having all these guys. I don't think we're ready to have more than 10 teams in the league right now. It's a lot of money. Also. I think it's like, it's, a, it's in the maybe a million dollars to just brand rebrand an entire team, you know, organize social media, you know, equipment, apparel all that stuff and then to get them actually fully running getting like the licensing the lead like get changing the names like to whatever if it was like bayhawk the chesapeake bayhawks making them bayhawks lc i think that's a lot of money too so you know it's it's there's no black or white way to look at this i think i think you know in the long run it's going to be good for the sport but right now i think everyone's just questioning it but you know I think the PLL knows people that are run the PLL way know way more than me and you. Hopefully, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my money with them and I'm gonna trust that they're doing the right thing right now, and say this is gonna be good for the sport of lacrosse. You know, this is gonna go smoothly. This is all gonna work out the right way. And if it doesn't, you know, I still I think they still I think they're still a very young league, and I still think that 
this sport will this this brand of the PLL will still keep on growing. Yeah, I, I think that's a valid point. Uh, on top of uh, touching on the money aspect and sort of what happened with their COVID tournament, they saw very, very substantial increases in viewership. They actually profited more uh, than they did in 2019. And it was actually very successful, which is probably what played a part in them sort of merging with the MLL. So I will counter that uh, in terms of what you what you brought up just now. Uh, because I think what benefited them at least slightly was that I don't know what the financial state of the MLL was, but in merging with them, um, they're going to have this transition team that the PLL said that they're going to have in their, in their announcement on their page, you know, they're going to have this transition team. They're going to have personnel from both leagues now working in. And uh, I'm assuming that manpower, that capital um, is sort of what allowed them to add on the Boston cannons. Uh, I'm assuming with how the PLL did that I wouldn't be shocked entirely if before next season starts in May or maybe delayed with however the vaccine shakes out and then waiting until that's all set and then having players be totally good to compete, whatever it is, uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see another team maybe announced because there's lots of time. We haven't really heard anything besides the top 50 from the PLL in the meantime, as well as like merch and whatnot, uh, there's still a lot of time for them to announce the logistics of maybe even another team. I doubt it, but I wouldn't be shocked uh, on top of the many issues that I just mentioned prior to this with players. Mm-hmm. Um, um, which as a small tangent here um, to touch on what I was saying before this uh, with the college draft, you got to think about teams addressing needs in the draft versus addressing them with the expansion or say the entry draft. So our guys like Alex Woodall, Max Adler, you know, other face-off guys going to find a spot over teams who are drafting TD Erland or Gerard Arceri or any of those top name guys. I mean, sure. You could say, you know what you have in those MLL guys, but I thought that that was an interesting angle between attackmen or whatever needs you want to fill. It's hard to pass about a Michael Sowers, but then it's like, you know, where does that roll for another, for one of the, you know, attackmen in the MLL to get in somewhere. So on top of being tight, that's another angle. I think that's an interesting one to think about circling back. I think as far as money, I think next year they could, if this season is full, whether they do some of it fanless or a mini tournament, and then some of it a full or another half of a season, however, they shake it out. I think that next year they'll be able to expand. I know that they're probably going to want to, for the sake of the league, if they can, I mean, they did it with the water dogs as soon as they were able to after one season. So if they had a successful tournament that allowed them to outdo the MLL and acquire them, then I have no doubt after next season, this summer, a year from now in the fall, right now, we would see the announcement of, of a ninth club. And I think that um, it's obviously going to be tough. Like you were saying, it may, it definitely has to do with some money, um and and sort of doing the logistics of all that but uh i think they're in a good spot everything the pll does everything that paul and mike have been doing has been very calculated uh they would not have done this merger if they weren't able to and have an eighth team they wouldn't have expanded to the water dogs if they couldn't have uh and they wouldn't have announced that tournament as soon as they could if they couldn't have uh, because they were the first sports league to do that and execute Mm -hmm. it almost flawlessly or flawlessly 
So I have no doubt, no, uh, I have complete faith in them moving forward that they will, you know, hopefully do the right thing. Um, but going forward that they're a lot, everything that they do is, is well thought out and they've got a lot of smart people behind the scenes. So as far as the pros and cons, we kind of listed them all out there, but um, I think for the most part, it's a pro and the cons will be either figured out or answered in terms of the questions we have pretty soon or in the next year or so. Agreed. I think, I think, I think we'll think, I think we'll know what our what the cons will do to us you know like you said in a year or two so transitioning from that we have a new expansion team that we have to discuss it's the uh, cannons lc formerly the boston cannons formerly paul rabel's first team i think that's pretty cool that he brought in his uh his first team that he ever played with but i think there's more than that i think it's uh i think the guy the the owner of the cannons is like owner of the mlo or isn't yeah. it something like that yeah that's pretty much the main reason why they were brought yeah. in so, you know, there's going to be, a, I'm assuming there's going to be an expansion draft. So that means we're in the, uh, we're in the field of that. There's going to be protected players and unprotected players. So I think that the PLL has to, if they want this third season, third season to succeed, I think they have to increase the amount of players you can have on a roster. I think it's 20, I don't know. Don't, don't count. Don't, uh, I think it's 22. I think if they want to have more players come into the league, I think they should bring it up to 26 and they should allow, allow teams to um, protect more players so that the, uh, so that that teams aren't getting watered down as easily like the, like we thought that the whip snakes were going to get watered down after they lost Ryan Drenner, Connor Kelly, uh, Drew Snyder. And then they ended up winning the, uh, the whole thing. So I think that, they need to, I think they need to ha- allow the teams to have more protected players in order for the expansion to go well, or for the expansion to go well, in order to forget the, to get the college players to get into the league and for the MLL players to get into the league. What do you think about this? I think there's an issue with protecting more players because then what are the, you know, what are the cannons going to be left to even deal with? I mean, we saw what the water dogs got, and although they benefited with, you know, draft and expand or entry draft guys like Zach Courier and, and other guys and, and getting a goalie, um, they struggled pretty heavily. And they had multiple games where they wouldn't score for almost two quarters. Uh, they, they were in total disarray. Not to, as an insult to the guys on the team, they had a training camp of three days to work with. I don't blame that. And a pandemic and families and whatever. I understand that. I just think in general, looking at the talent that the water dogs got with what was protected by other teams, I think it's probably going to have to stay there. Um, and I think because uh, the cannons that definitely they're going to have to be a good team. And so the water dogs are going to have to protect guys and get rid of who they had. And they were in a fantastic team. So it's just the further it dilutes, you definitely have to keep the protection around the same that it was um, because that's, that's, it's just only fair. You keep a starting lineup essentially, and you let everyone else be able to get picked. doesn't mean they're going to go entirely. That was sort of, you know, what people had to remember about last time was not everyone is going to get picked. And if they aren't, they return. So I think 
that's that's at least the angle I'm looking at it from. I don't know if they'll be able to or they will allow guys to be protected more um, because then that simply means that if guys return, unless there's a bunch picked from each team, which is probably going to be that limit of four guys again, um, then you're not going to really have room for the college guys to be tacked on to what's now a, you know, almost, you know, equally sized roster if you're protecting more guys and you can get back the ones that aren't picked. So it's just, it's a weird numbers game. I do agree that the rosters should just be expanded. I think people have to remember that for the, for the tournament, um, it was smaller than usual. Um, I think they were capped at 22, like at most. Uh, and so in a normal season, I think, I think in 2019, it was more than that. I could be wrong, but otherwise I do agree. It should be expanded by a few guys. Uh, at the same time, we don't really see a lot of substitutions guys pretty much stay in the whole time. So how much are you getting out of having guys on the benches like that? Um, I mean, you could make the argument speaking objectively here that guys played and people were in because they had their names um, and who they were. And I don't want to say anything's political, um, but it would be interesting to see if there was actual room on the depth chart to change with rookies coming in that are going to be really good with MLL guys coming in. That was a tweet that Tim Barber had, who's a CUSE alum, shout out, um, where he was sort of addressing, you know, things weren't really political in the MLL, but, you know, when the, when the split up happened, that's kind of something that we have players have sort of noticed. So hopefully that doesn't carry over, but we'll see. So that's players talk. That's not me sort of throwing that conspiracy out there. That's definitely a thing that players have noticed. So um, I think that's another angle that you're going to have to see with having these rosters expanded and subsequently adding in these players from the MLL and college um, that with it being super competitive, it's going to have to be that you put the best players out there and um, to not get completely off track. Um, I do think that there should be some expansion of the rosters just a little bit, but I think the biggest problem is just having more teams there. You just can't have eight teams in a league like this where you just had 13 uh, in total. That's, again, it's a very simple thing to say, but that is really the biggest issue. I think expanding the rosters much more is only going to help kind of, and it's only going to push guys down or out um, rather than really fixing the problem. It's tricky, but um, that's, uh, that's how I'm seeing it at least. Yeah, I think I got to agree with you on that. You know, it's just going to be, curious about when they do this expansion roster what teams are going to get impacted the most by it i mean i have a funny feeling it's going to be the whip snakes again you know i think they want to keep their entire defense again i think they want to keep their goalie i think they want to keep zed and matt and i think their midfield like they did last year is what you know what got taken out the most with kelly and snyder so i'm i think you know we're going to see you know brad smith and um you know Jay Carlson on another team, I think, you know, another team that's going to get hit hard in the midfield who also has a stacked midfield line is the Archers. You know, they have Joey Sank. They have a, like a very solid two, uh, two, uh, two lines at the midfield line. So you're going to see them. They're going to get hit, you know, and a lot of other teams are going to get hit too, like two, like the uh, Chaos. You think, I think Connor Fields is going to go to the, uh, to the Cannons. And then, you know, a bunch of other guys too that I, can't think off the top of my head, but you're going to see some, they're going to see a lot of movement in the league happening. And then, you know, 
this whole exp- then you got to think about the whole player pool that's going to happen and all the guys that are co- going to come in from there and then you know that's a whole other topic of discussion you know you have Lyle Thompson who's arguably the best player in lacrosse right now maybe even all time is going to be coming into the league with a bunch of stacked tackmen and probably the next and probably the I'd probably say the next best uh, player of our generation with Michael Sowers coming in as another ex attackman. I mean, this league is filled with a lot of ball dominant players. It's a ball dominant league. There's not a lot of, you don't really see a lot of uh, off um, off ball shooters that are, uh, that are really thriving like the Ryan Brown, but you know, guys like Ryan Brown aren't really thriving as much as they were in the MLL or in college. So it's really interesting to see how this is all going to play out. And, you know, like this, uh, this, this uh, entry draft with the player pool is going to be interesting to see who ends up who. And I got a funny feeling, Ty, that uh, Colin Heacock is going to be playing for the Whip Snakes this uh, this coming uh, this coming summer. Well, Heacock had a I don't want to say a poor tournament, but he was nowhere to be found in terms of points, you know, among the leaders or you know even on his own team. I think he was fourth or fifth on his own team, uh, the BayHawks, I believe, and. You know, he's obviously by no means uh, a bad player, but uh, I I wouldn't be a shock to me that he falls for a team like the Whipsnakes, being that they're going to pick where they will in these respective drafts, being that they just won the championship again. Um, And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if it worked out again for them. Obviously, you know, the the, the chemistry is there. Plenty of Maryland guys anyways. Um, But look at someone like Zed Williams. They were able to pick a guy like him who is the MVP, of the tournament, obviously, and the championship game and pretty much why they were able to win that game. And he was sensational. He's already, you know, he's the third best player in the the league, apparently. Um, Well, not apparently. I obviously believe it too. But according to the players, he's the third best player. And I wouldn't be shocked if they got another, you know, a steal like that later on. doesn't have to be Heacock, but at least to address your point, yes, it would be pretty funny. Um, I think something that people are going to have to realize is that for this season specifically, it's not going to affect a ton of guys, but the NLL and PLL seasons are going to overlap, which has never happened in any year prior between, you know, between the MLL for 20 years and the NLL uh, and then even 2019 and then the fanless tournaments Uh, that's never happened. So you're going to have rosters shifted around, Based on guys, I would think the chaos are going to be impacted pretty heavily, which is why I think they may keep someone like uh, Connor Fields um, because guys are simply not going to be able to balance both between the testing as well. Uh, You're going to see guys choose one over the other. I think think it's very likely, I was talking about this the other day too, that you see Jeff Teat choose the NLL over the PLL season. And whatever team drafts him will have to wait a year. Um, to get him. But I, I think for this season alone, that someone like Jeff Teed, I would not be surprised if he stuck with the NLL uh, when he's drafted, probably first or second overall, um, instead of taking the PLL route. You're going to see guys, I would also probably assume, like Curtis Dixon, um, guy who's literally a living legend in the NLL. Uh, he has almost 800 career points, uh, which is, it's insane. Um, other guys coming over from the MLL who are also pretty prominent. Um, and, um, you know, obviously there's guys on like, uh, Dane Smith on the chaos, you know, like I already mentioned, uh, Connor Fields is also a really good NLL player. If he thinks he might get shafted and, you know, excluded in the PLL, maybe he's going to stick with the NLL this season. So I think that 
with a handful of guys, it's not going to be a ton because we only saw that crossover really happen in this tournament um, with the, with the entry picks, you're going to see some guys choosing that route over the other. And then the structure of the, of the roster just for this year is going to be weird. So I think a lot of people are going to have to expect some weird moves, some questionable roster organizations, what guys are chosen um, given that they know guys are going to come back uh, the next year when everything's okay and normal again, uh, it's just such an odd circumstance. And we thought that that was all going to be left behind in 2020, but this is probably the last thing we're going to see with pro lacrosse getting screwed up. Um, despite the merger just happening, uh, those two overlapping is definitely, um, not fan- not great. So I, that's another thing people are going to have to deal with is that this year is just not going to be perfect. The season's definitely going to be weird. Um, Maybe you, you see guys, uh, depending on when they start, I just know that they overlap. I'm not exactly sure when exactly the NLL starts, but you could see guys that maybe once the playoffs, they get eliminated, maybe they hop in. That feels like that an- another sort of, you know, unprofessional, you know, sort of thing to have to deal with, you know, in a league like the PLL, like, oh, this guy's just hopping in now and, and now he's, he's joining for the second half of the season and now they're going to be great. You know, that doesn't feel like that should be the case, especially contractually, because we have no idea how those work. Uh, we just know that players sign a deal with the league, like Blaze Reardon has a four-year deal or Miles Jones or whoever. Um, we saw that earlier in the summer or a quarantine. Um, yeah. whole lot of crap, <laughs> but I think that's what people are going to have to deal with uh, and really keep in mind is that this season's just probably not going to be perfect in terms of that. And um, still going to be fun. Still going to be fantastic, fantastic product on the field. But I think that's just that's another interesting angle for people to consider. So you know we've been we've been discussing a lot of negatives and like what ifs, what ifs. But what are you most excited for, or play? What are you who who are you most excited for to see in the ML uh, to see in the PLL that came from the MLL? I just think that although the leagues have only been existing for two years. It's just still the idea of those, you know, MLL guys then being in this environment now, because I've obviously been a huge fan of the PLL. That's really why I started really getting involved on Twitter and with my own podcast and what have you. It's just so interesting and funny to, to think, not funny in like a, a bad way, but just comical to think of someone like Dan Bucaro being on, you know, say the, the Chrome somehow or being on, you know, even the water dogs or the Atlas or, you know, a team that, you know, needs him because he's very likely to be, you know, the second pick overall behind someone like Lyle Thompson. It's very, very likely. So for a team, however, the order shakes out, you know, Dan Bucaro, then you you guys got like Ryan Lee, Andrew Q, uh, the handful of defensive studs because there aren't a ton. Most of them are in the PLL. Nick Manis. Nick Manis is like the best defensive player in the MLL. And the very interesting, very, very interesting, I think above all positions are the goalies. You had guys like Sean Scannone, who was the goalie of the year uh, before COVID, um, or I mean, at the end of 2019. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he won the award in the tournament too. He did. Yeah, he did. He's a he got back to back. He's, he's a, so big. He's like so a, he's large, a, but he's just like blaze not to drop a fat joke on blaze, but they're both big guys who are just so quick. It's unbelievable. He was fantastic to watch. Uh, Nick Morocco. Hello. Many guys consider him to be the best in the league, although he didn't win the award. He is still one of the best, a consummate professional. 
And it brings in the question of like, he deserves to be playing much like the other five teams of guys that aren't going to, but it's like, wow, you know, a goalie that stands out that much deserves to be where he is. And I think excluding names like that, even uh, if Brian Phipps, I'm forgetting his first name, who's also a veteran played amazing. You know, a guy like that should at least be on a roster, whether they're a backup, none of those guys have to be starters, but you know, I think they're better than some backups, you know, in the PLL, but even a guy like, uh, Ryan Kelly or Ryan Kelly, uh, from Brown who was hurt this year, but plays behind Tim Troutner. Um, um, of course I'm going to forget his name now behind blaze Reardon. Um, Dane Smith. No, no, no. The, the goalie. Wow. How am I forgetting this team Canada goalie? Oh, um, he's like the, he's like the best goalie in the NLL. Let me look this up quickly. Yeah. I, I actually can't believe that I'm forgetting his name, but most of you listening should know who I'm talking about. Um, he sits behind Blaze Reardon, who obviously is, you know, ranked as high as he is among the players. He is one of the best players in the world. He deserves to be playing or starting before anyone else. As much as I love the guys from the MLL, I think they would even agree that, that he should be starting. Dylan uh, Ward. Dylan Ward. Dylan thank Ward you. Jesus. Um, Dylan Ward should be playing on a team before any of those aforementioned guys. So the goalie position, especially with how limited the teams are, there's like six middies on a team, seven middies, four attackmen, you know, six defensemen. There's two goalies at most. That's a competitive spot. And those are the guys I'm interested to see how it works out. I know your question was more so who's going to play, but as far as a player conversation, that one's one that's very interesting to look after. But like I mentioned, guys like Bucaro. Q, Ryan Lee, um, even Bryce Wasserman. I think everyone was kind of like, who's this guy from Monmouth, you know, like showing out in this tournament and getting the MVP. And, you know, he had actually a pretty interesting interview and I'm forgetting who wrote it, uh, but talking to him and he's sort of like, you know, I'm just hoping I get the chance. You know, I think I like proved myself pretty worthy, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's just weird. You know, is he, you know, is he valid enough to be, on a PL roster, I think yes. I think we saw a lot of middies not play that stellar or at least fill a role on their respective teams that, you know, this guy's young, you know, he's a few years out and he played really good, especially in the yeah. championship game. So guys like that, I'm just interested in where they fit in, how they fit in. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that off ball uh, point before, you know, guys like Andrew, like Andrew Q, who was an incredible shooter in their tournament a guy like that can just simply insert himself into a team. He's old enough. He's been around. Like he knows like, all right, I'm just going to do the same role. I'm not changing anything. It's the PLL. Yeah. These guys are good, but you know, like I'm not, I'm not like anything below these guys. Like I know how to shoot. I know how to finish. I know my role. I'm going to fit in here. So I'm like Dan Bucaro is going to be able to go to a team. And I think at least do almost exactly what he's been doing. When John Grant jr. Says, says that he's almost unguardable i'm gonna take the the, i'm gonna take his words for it (laughs) so a lot of those guys are just it's just so exciting to think of them even being in the league i like the idea of the face-off guys joining in i've mentioned that point before about college versus you know dudes coming over but you know we saw it would be it would be awesome if every game was like a 50 50 you know battle uh ground balls you know grinding at every game rather than having guys like nardella this year baptiste last year um and even having the disparity of you know talent at that end you know we saw teams like the water dogs and the redwoods not really do as hot as we thought they were with their you know two guys approach so if you can bring in studs like that that's going to make the game even better 
so there's a ton that I'm excited for. I know that's the easy, that's the easy out answer. Um, but obviously as an attackman, I will just love to see these offensive guys fit into these rosters that are already pretty incredible. Imagine a team like the Chrome who have Gaudette, Gutterding and Wolf, you know, having a fourth guy rotate in or play over Gaudette even, um, don't like, disrespect Gaudy like that. He's the coolest I'm not, guy. <laughs> I'm not. Hey, no, hey, and I don't want him on my bad side. That's for sure. I don't want me on. I don't want to be on his bad side. That's for sure. But you know, even if someone is worthy enough to play over him, like uh, well, you know, Dan Bacaro would be obvious. But you get my point. Just imagine yeah. these PLL rosters. How incredible it is, and how great they are, and how fun to watch. Adding in these all stars essentially is just going to be amazing. And I think that's a lot of things that people aren't really you know, maybe ready to, to see. I think it's going to hit the ground running as soon as they start playing. I think these college guys, uh, when they come into this league, they're going to, like, col- the college game is super slow compared to the PLL game. you got a shorter field. The ball's flying over the place. So it's going to be, I bet it's going to be tough for the college guys to come in and adjust to this level, high-speed level of play that just boom, boom, boom. Like, the ball's, like, going around, goes around the horn and maybe 10 like maybe less than 10 seconds is going to be insane to see because it's a whole other level of lacrosse and you know yeah going back yeah i didn't even touch on college i thought you were just terms of just talking about like just the merger itself but uh i mean we saw guys like amen costabile kind of just step sort of in i mean costabile granted the atlas were sort of a mess but guys like amen he was third in points fourth in points i mean he stepped in and and kind of sort of kept doing what he was what he was used to doing i mean assists and he had his couple of his, bat, his ankle breaker goals uh, and, and shooting. Like he kind of filled that kind of stepped right in and was like, you know, this is definitely harder, but you know, I can do this. So I have no doubt in like any, any of those top picks guys like Sowers, guys like Teat, if he even chooses to play, but any of those defensemen like Jared Connors, the guys like that are going to be fine. You know, it's, it's sort of the other guys that are maybe at, you know, the sort of the mid major schools or, or even some of those higher level teams, but, guys that maybe were role players that are now going to have to fill that, but you know, it's a little more challenging to adjust, but I agree with you there. At least it's, it's still an adjustment. I'm not going to downplay that at all, but it's definitely going to be um, it's just going to be fun. You're going to have just so many guys out there, the college, especially, and where those guys fit in, you know, is also going to be uh, pretty interesting where, where they all go. For sure. For sure. And, you know, going back to players that like, I'm excited to see that we didn't really like bring up like Kyle Marr, who was just a crazy lefty attackman at Hopkins and who I think had a pretty solid um, uh, MLL uh, during their uh, tournament, had a crazy season. He's a super underrated guy, you know, another Q's guy, Bubba Voigt, always, always hanging around. The Brad Voigt had a good tourney. Yeah. He always says, I think uh, Anish calls him. He has a magnet stick. He's always able to catch everything inside. Great guy to watch, you know, going to the D middies, which is another huge part of the Absolutely. PLL. Isaiah Davis Allen, uh, what's it? Zach Goodrich. Zach Goodrich is an animal. That guy's a two-way midfielder who I'm really excited to see. You know, also face-off guys, Max Adler, who was the best in the MLL. I'd like to see like if how many, how many, so you know, there's gonna be Max Adler. I think the only guys that are really gonna go in are Adler and Woodall. And then because you have the rest of the uh, college guys with TD, uh, Gerard, and um, Kyle Gallagher. 
I'd like to see how teams would do, because you have to also see how deep the uh, college draft is going to be this year, how many rounds it's going to be. Right. If, uh, even if the dominant, like the more dominant face-off guys, like the Connor Farrell has a backup that is also goes, is really solid that can get you like a go 50% for you or more than 50% for you. Or if Joe Nardella needs a break, you know, you bring in a Bailey Savio who's scrappy and can get the ball and get you into a good transition offense. So I think, one of the biggest things that's going to be changed is how the face-offs are being played. I think it's going to be way more strategic for the coaches to figure out when to put in their face-off guys, depending on how tired they are, how, like how they're doing during the game. So, you know, there's so many more technicalities into how this game is going to be played that never really happened before. It's mind boggling and how like, it's going to be so interesting for the years to come to see how lacrosse is going to translate and to be, one of the sports that you can just discuss for hours upon hours upon hours upon hours, like we're doing right now. No, I already, yep, I know I already do. So, I know, I know, I know, but like, and not like 100%, but you know, just like for kids to like oh, go yeah, down yeah, and sit down at a lunch table, yeah, sit yeah. down at a lunch table and just go on, like, who's the best attackman in the league is just something that is very possible happening in the next 20 years. About judging by how fast this sport is growing, it's just going to be so awesome to watch gonna be hard to ignore is basically is basically exactly. the point uh i like yeah i agree with i definitely agree with you i was mentioning you know kind of the face-off debacle earlier uh, but i definitely like the point about the d mids i think that's somewhat of a sparse position in the pll you kind of have some older you know you have like guys like mark mcneil or you know like steve den apple like yeah you, you got some like older guys there where you bring in goodrich ida uh even like someone like mark ellis you know, other guys like that who are, who are buzzing around, you know, you get those guys spread around the teams. Uh, it's going to make those matchups where whoever has, who, does, who doesn't have the pole, which is already, a, you know, hard enough between the guys you have, like Sexton, Costabile, or not Costabile, excuse me. Um, Apple? Uh, well, Apple is like a normal pole. I'm for, who Who's not on the Whip Snakes? What's his name? Joe... Joe, uh, no, who are you talking about? What are you talking? What position are you talking about? The LSM on the Whip Snakes. Oh, I'm Michael like, Earhart, the best. Mike the Earhart. Best. Thank you. His brother, I think, is in the is in the uh, is he has, he has somebody in the MLO. I was mixing. Anyway, I'm off. I'm over two on big names right now. But uh, Earhart, you know, there's plenty of harassing LSMs, great LSMs. But then the shorties, if those are locked down, it's going to make those midfield matchups even better. Because uh, I feel like we see a lot of attack play right now. Um, but that's going to make those even more challenging and more fun to, uh, to watch. So I, I like that point, you know, even a guy like Ryan Tarafenko, who is the preseason midi of the year yeah. <laughs> and all American Peter Durth uh, from Cuse, Peter Durth, that, in, oh, exactly. I don't want to well, say, we'll, Ogre, we'll see like how Cuse shakes out. God knows I'm praying, but, um, guys like him, exactly. You know, those guys are going to all be, are going to be coming in too. And they're going to, they're going to, they're, they have a, uh, they have a demand as well attack defense those are positions are going to be the hard ones to fill but i think you'll see teams take those those two-way guys because we saw a lot of that used in the tournament you know we saw guys like you know near getting in on offense and he's always been able to do that you saw um uh i warner ty warner went on offense ty warner yeah i mean even steve dinapoli was getting inverted and doing fine like it's definitely even though i was just saying how he's like kind of old but um you know, guys like TJ Comizio were used. Um, and I'm forgetting who on the uh, – uh, Christian Mazzone 
popped off. He shot like six of 10 and the whole thing, like coming in these clutch goals, like just scrappy guys like that, always keeping their head up, but they can just do whatever. And I think those, those were a premium as was defense. So I think those guys, especially to, as you brought up with the D mids, I think that's a, a fun position to look out for. That's only going to make it uh, a bit better to watch. So I'm, I'm with you there. I'm taking my hot take right now, you know, going to say my prediction about what you might or what might happen this uh, this coming season for the Atlas. I'm saying it right now. Paul Rabel's going to be a team, I'm. I think I think it's what's best for his team. I'm telling you, because if you think about it, you got to think about it for a second. You got all these guys coming in. They're going to have a top. They're going to have the top three picks in both the merge in the uh, in the player pool and in the college draft. They're going to get, they're probably going to get either Sowers or Lyle Thompson and they're probably, or if not, they're going to get another offensive minded player. I think they already have a crazy midfield line with Brian Costabile, Romar Dennis, and what's his name? Joel Tinney was solid, not the best, but he's, he's a solid off ball guy. I think Rabel would thrive way more. Like Kyle Harrison does. Kyle Harrison plays D midi. You know, he doesn't, he's like, you don't you don't see him run too many offensive reps like trying to take stuff from the uh, from the younger guys. I think Rabel's going to transition more into that role more than anyone else. That's that's hot for sure. Um, definitely, uh, I can't. You know, with him playing still, I don't think his ego is taking a back seat um, at least this soon. Uh, I think he's definitely a viable guy to have out there. He doesn't really turn the ball over much. Yes, sir. He's not that he was not the greatest shooter, neither him or Busick. Um, and we'll see what Busick even does because he might be going to coach, honestly, yeah. full time at this point. And um, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I would also argue that they do have the names on, on offense and with the midfield, but they weren't too hot. I don't know. I think Romar Dennis had a couple points. Joel Tinney was definitely not what he was in 2019. And, Busick and Rabel were definitely pretty pitiful. They kind of have, they've got a struggle. I think they scored the least or second least goals next to the water dogs. They've got a whole issue on their hands. They got to take sours. And I think uh, with the entry, they take um, probably one of the, one of the better midfielders, maybe somebody like Wasserman or, or one of those other guys. I don't have the list in front of me. That's for another day for predictions, but they. Um, Randy Stotts, they could fully take Randy Stotts. That's a name I didn't even mention before, but like, that's a guy that needs to be playing. And that's, that's the problem. Like that's the con of this all. It's like, those guys need to be playing. It's just not fair for them not to. Um, I will match you with my, with a prediction of my own. Um, I think that the, I'm not even going to say that a team is going to win over the whips. I just I can't be confident to say that until they actually lose. Um, I think Lyle Thompson um, uh, ends up being the MVP. Okay. Okay. Wow. Wow. Whole season, whatever team he goes to, he immediately changes how the other team defends him. This is a point I'm not going to take credit for. It's a point that Kyle Debit was talking about, him and Terry Foy on the inside lax pod. Um, and it's just it's just so true. Any game that he plays in, he becomes the focal point of the defense. You know, you have, you know, I'm sure the, the Giants and Ravens, the Ravens had their game plan versus the, the Giants offense, and that was going to be it. Um, 
that that it's not going to be the same for for a team going in there. They go against the Whip Snakes defense. I don't care how good they are. Yeah, they're immediately focused on Lyle Thompson. I think if he goes to the Cannons, um, especially with the talent that they might get due to the expansion draft, he has a very, very good possibility to to, uh, to be the MVP again um, or to be an MVP on that team or whatever team he goes to. If he joins already a, raw, a PLL roster, um, he has that chance. And he always he always is. It, it's just like LeBron. You can't, you can't count out a Lyle Thompson to be an MVP. So maybe a safe pick, questionable, hot, whatever you want to call it. But that's, that's a prediction of mine for now. I think that's the best. T- I think it was better take than mine. I think that was a more logical take, but you know, these are why they're hot takes. So yeah, to wrap right, up the nose, you know, so, yeah. we'll have to look back at this and I'll, 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 uh, I'll we were, we might hand. be way off on the, uh, we might be way off on our college draft. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we're way off on this one too. So, only time will tell, but to wrap this up, I'll give us one more prediction. I'll do one more prediction and then we'll finish it up. So can I say rookie of the year? Okay. That's a good one. Rookie of the year. Well, I'll ask, I'll do mine and then I'll ask for yours. So rookie of the year, I'm going to go. Do you count MLL guys as rookies? Probably not, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm going to go college guy. So I'm going to say rookie of the year. I'm going to say a midfielder. I think midfielder, because midfielder, I think it's an attack-dominant off. I think it's attack-dominant league. I think midfielders are the people that need to shine. Did Amit get Rookie of the Year? I don't, did they even do that award? I don't think they did a Rookie of the Year. It was like six games, you know? It probably would have been him, but yeah. Say midfielder. I may be biased on this pick because I did interview him, but I'm going to say Jamie Tromboli is Rookie of the Year. I love me some Jamie Tromboli, man. Although he's from Victor, still love him. Uh, that's a fair point. Uh, I think it's going to be, it's basically, I think Sowers is, uh, that's funny to say Sowers is award to lose considering he's more than likely going to go to the Atlas unless they just somehow think there's a better idea than taking him. Um, but he ends up there, especially with how Pinnell was playing. I think they're going to give him the keys and it's going to be hard for him to lose it. Uh, but I think there could be a tight race. That's fair. I think that's fair to your point. Um, there's definitely a ton at every position. So Sowers might have it locked in terms of attackmen. So maybe that's a fair argument to make. Uh, I'm going to go with, and I'll ask you reverse. So I'll give my prediction. I'm going to say it's Sowers for rookie of the year. As far as award, I'm going to go with uh, a most improved player. That's not one that they give out, but they do it in most other leagues or they at least do it in the NBA. I'm going to go with most improved player. Um, is going to be well if he gets put on a new team barring that happening i might say connor fields but because you could see him going to the cannons and then they get lyle and it's an albany reunion uh maybe he resorts back to his shooting stroke that he had when they played i think he had like 60 70 goals it was ridiculous so that's a possibility, but if he isn't, you know, if he's kept on the team somehow or he doesn't go there, uh, my only other candidate would be um, most improved. I'm going to say – it's funny I suggested it, but I'm kind of just thinking about it after I said it. The most improved player will say uh, – Who's a guy that did like solid, but will be even better. 
Um, we'll say a close defender. We'll say, well, I would say Jack Rollette could have been that this year. But uh, sure. you know what? I'll stick with Connor Fields. I'm taking too long. Okay. I'll stick with Connor Fields. I think he, I think he, after that slap in the face, essentially, like, hey, we went to the championship without you. Uh, he's going to reevaluate and uh, come back. And whatever team he ends up on, if they don't keep him, I think he'll have something to prove. I'm also going to go with the chaos player, but he's not going to be on the chaos. I'm going to say Dylan Ward. I'm going to say Dylan Ward. Is I thought about him. that, but I was like, is it even improved because he like, you know. Okay, that's fair. That's now. actually, yeah, that's fair. But, so That's like, that's valid though. If not, if we're not going to count, the, if I, I'll, I'll not count that, I'll say, I'm going to go Rob Pinnell. I think I Rob Pinnell. about Rob. But I was not convinced from what I saw on that that he would maybe, especially with who the Atlas maybe pick. I was like, I had second guesses about that. But that's uh, that's that's fair enough. I hope. Or Ryan does. Brown. It could be Ryan Brown too. Could be another most improved player. That's, I, that's another guy I hope does better because it's like, what are you doing? You have the best shooter in the world, even at whatever age yeah. he's at. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, those are fair. Those are good guesses. Um, I yeah. I mean that's. I want everyone to do well. I don't wish anyone to do bad, uh, especially Pinnell, especially because I, I had high hopes for him coming into this too. I was bought in, um, and then that didn't happen. I mean, everyone had him as like – I know Inside Lacrosse had him as – they were going to say he was going to be uh, MVP. Inside Lacrosse, I'm pretty sure Terry Foy said uh, Rob Pinnell is going to be the MVP of the 2020. And, you know, that's the best thing about sports is that you're not going to know the ending. It's – totally unpredictable that's the best thing about sports is that if you watch a movie you can predict what the ending is but if you watch a sports game you have no idea how it's going to end that's the magic of sports is that we could have these discussions for another we could do 100 more of these episodes keep on speculating and speculating and we could be completely off in every single one of them so you know i'm very interested to see what 2021 brings this is going to be a crazy year for hopeful 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 i'll knock on wood but I'm very excited to see this 2021 season. I'm hope, and I'm sure you are too, you know, covering this, you're probably going to be covering this a lot too on your podcast and it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting, but this is going to be, I think one word to describe it is electric. I agree. That's a great word. Electric is, uh, is, is a, is a good way to describe it. Um, I'll end it on this. Thank you very much, Paul, for having me on again. Um, like we said, lots of, uh, hopefully you enjoyed uh, the, the, the different points that we were bringing up. Um, obviously a little after the announcement already came out, but uh, it's always fun to just speculate. And I think that we'll, once we get more details, there will definitely be more to talk about. But in the meantime, before the PLL, before any of that, college lacks, that should be our biggest concern right now. And our, our biggest hopes is that we get some college lacrosse this year, especially me being a Syracuse fan. I have no idea what the hell is going to happen. So uh, with that being said, um, appreciate it again for having me on. Always, always up for a a nice discussion. And um, I hope you have a great rest of your break. Thank you, Ty. I'm looking forward to maybe we'll do a mid-season report in the middle of summer next year. Hopefully, hopefully we got some of our points right. Maybe we're completely off. Hopefully we're right on our college draft too. Maybe we have to do an updated one of that once, uh, once the college season ends. So hopefully we can get you back on for this sure we're gonna be talking soon i appreciate you coming on and you know let's go orange baby absolutely thank you thank you see ya